0: Our mission here is to really democratize AI to get more companies leveraging it, realizing that it's not something to be afraid of. Um, and that if you have a product, whether you're wanna, you are want to launch a new AI product or you have an AI product that you want to go to market with, that we have three different workshops that we're offering for free, but that basically we will help you. If, if, if you're an AI product that you need to launch and want to go to market, we'll help you kind of Lay out your high-level go-to-market strategy. If you're a company that wants to incorporate AI into your business, then we can help you kind of think through what does that actually look like. We can do some uh, some real proof of concepts where you can come out of that saying, okay, yeah, we know we can actually do this idea. So an example is one that we're working with right now, which is um, – we won't get into the detail, but they're basically being able to take – uh, recorded conversations and score them against uh, a bunch of rules. So, you know, for example, if you were a lawyer and you wanted to interview one of your customers, you could you could say, OK, here's the recording. How well did I do? And then give us feedback. So we go through and we actually we come up with like the actual proofs, the concept that we prove out that is, can you actually do this with AI or not. And then if you do, then we can actually implement that at a, you know, at scale. Um, And so, yeah, if you go to bigcheese.ai slash workshops or just go to bigcheese.ai, you'll see the workshops in there. You can see the three different types that we offer, uh, apply for it, and uh, yeah, we'll do it.
1: And welcome back to the Big Cheese AI Podcast. I'm Andre Hericus, joined by Sean Heise, Jacob Wise, and Brandon Corbin. And guess what? We are all in the same room. And we've been in the same room for 10 episodes, if you guys have noticed. Um, yeah, guys, we're in the same room. New setup, new year, same crew. All right? New um, website. New website. Bigcheese.ai. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked these things out, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Cheese AI. Follow us on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Instagram, we're posting a bunch of great stuff. Would love for you guys to give us a follow. But today we're diving into bold predictions for 2024. And I think we got some hot ones. Three coming from each one of the guests. We all get a couple of minutes to talk about them and we got to move on because we'll talk about it for like way too long. Um, I'll go first. My bold prediction for 2024 is that if we look back at 2023, we saw this huge immersion of all these new startups coming out. And everyone's leveraging like ChatGPT gets mainstream. ChatGPT Uh, 4.4 comes out turbo. People are like, this API is incredible. Every little kind of startup you can start starts to come up. But I'm curious, like, are these companies going to make any money? Like, are these just commodity-based companies? Are these companies that are actually going to get a lot of subscribers? How many subscriptions will one person subscribe to for something that you could probably figure out how to do on GPT? So my general prediction is that SaaS companies that were made in the last five to six years that have already got the B2B penetration adopt AI, and that's what becomes the B2B offerings. I don't think there's a ton of new B2B offerings in terms of ai in terms of new companies i think a lot of those are going to be absorbed by existing companies that already have the client base i think on the b2c side it's a little bit of a wash we'll see which one sticks out my bold prediction is that legacy SaaS companies that have been around for the last few years win big in the new companies we'll see how how many actually are successful well
2: we know for sure that um, big techs outspending vcs when it comes to ai we also know just from looking at our website that new AI products are coming out every single day. Um, and a lot of them suck. And a lot of them suck. <laughs> um, so the, so the, the, there is some validity to the question is like how, how how can a niche AI product that serves a single need um, last in a sub, especially in a subscription model? Yeah. Um, and in a world where you're, you're getting charged for the tokens that you're using when you're using an API to process all these transactions, you know it is it is going to be hard to make money so i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to put a i'm going to put a thumbs up on that one a little bit in terms of from my perspective i do think a lot of companies will start and end i think Brandon talks about it a little bit as like how much is the investment on the product though like like are cuz people are coming up with stuff quick and just seeing what sticks so maybe it's not something they spent 3 years on and maybe the risk is a little lower so yeah.
0: I'm, so i'd be really curious uh, so i did a review yesterday of petbooth.app and it's basically a way where you can upload a bunch of your photos for your pet and it's going to generate some images for it. Um, it was 10 it was it was 9.99. I think they're 50% off so it's 20 bucks basically. You go and they're going to generate you 100 images of your dog. Once I did it though, like there's no there's no reason for me to go back to it and so I think we're, we're gonna see a lot of these you know single developers build these tools say I'm going to charge 20 bucks they might make two, three, four, five hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars off it but that long term there's just not it, there's just not that stick and that people are ultimately gonna have to figure
3: out how do I get my twenty four dollars a month from
0: you know my open AI
3: yeah, everybody's still trying to follow the game plan of like, how do I create a monthly subscription? Right. I think you're right. It's it's gonna be the ones that last have some sort of moat, some sort of yep. differentiation, and then also their pricing model actually makes sense. Like, I don't need to pay 25 bucks a month to generate pictures of my pets. Like, I can do that one time. I'm good. Maybe right. once a year for Christmas. Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: I've got so my first bold prediction, um, maybe controversial. Um, But I predict that this will be the worst year for customer service in the history of the United States of America because so many companies are going in and firing all their customer service representatives and replacing it with below average subpar AI chatbots and they're trying to build up that capacity to do this this work with artificial intelligence and the models aren't trained right. They don't understand the processes in a lot of cases. So I predict, bold prediction, the worst year for customer service ever. ever. <laughs>
0: What's well, funny. There was, a, there was an article that was just – can we scroll up on this? I know you guys can't see this, and we're, we're eventually going to get our, our monitor to be part of the thing. But there was just another qu- uh, client with a queue, I think, was just launched a couple days ago, and its whole thing is basically a voice-based customer service tool. And you're 100% right. I think this is going to be the most clunky way
3: of customer service – this year. So that's yeah. a great prediction. Yeah, and I think one of the problems that they're going to have is, like, these companies are going to adopt this way too soon before they actually know their processes <laughs> right. correctly. Um, the bigger players have data. They know, like, the flows very well. They can use that to their advantage. They have a lot of um, throughput. The The medium or mid midsize companies, they just don't have it. And they're going to trip over themselves maybe a little bit. So I, I totally agree. Yeah. I agree too
1: like from a startup's perspective like that's the one thing you want to be able to say in like an investor meeting or some meeting with someone like yeah we're actually saving a ton of costs because we're replacing our entire customer service part of our financial model with AI and we're going to save this much money with like monthly burn I mean that's the first thing I would think of
2: any of these tier 1 support uh, companies that are doing you know they're they're outsourcing their their service desk to these companies they're 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 seeing dollar signs and they're going to implement this stuff and they're just going to sacrifice customer experience they'll get it right maybe not this year actually brings me to one of my predictions, which is um, almost the inverse of
3: that, where I think small businesses that adopt AI into their day-to-day practices are going to win. And it's going to be specifically around customer service because they're going to be able to spend more time on customer service because they're freeing up their time to do like documentation and, and emails and those types of things. So that's where they have their edge to begin yeah. with, is that, that sort of white glove service. Um, the ones that win, I think, in the small business realm are going to be the ones that do embrace it. And don't try to automate everything all the time, but yeah. use it where appropriate and where it can help them. Yeah, so You're
2: automating inside of their business versus automating away their customer interactions. Because in a small business, your customer interactions are so important, that's yeah. the last thing you would outsource.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually completely agree with that. I do think that in a world, and I've said this for a few episodes, right? And it's kind of like my general thought. I think that the human-to-human interaction over time with the evolution of AI and all these software platforms and these different mediums is the number one way to succeed in business. It always kind of has been, but as you move farther and farther away from that human to human connection, you're moving farther and far away from my, in my opinion, from dollar signs.
2: Um, So yeah, Jacob, I completely agree. Now will small businesses adopt AI?
0: So again, I, I think tech AI is just going to be another technology. That's it. It's not going to be some fancy-dancy th- – I mean, databases. When databases came out, all of a sudden, hey, look, we can store databases. We can query databases. We can interact with databases. This AI is just another form of a technology that we can incorporate, that we can leverage, that we can use. Right now, it's all super hot and sexy, and everything's like, oh, all AI all the time. Yeah. But in reality, it's just another technical implementation implementation implementation, implementation. Yeah. thank you yeah um and and so yeah I, I i think more and more will be adopting it just because they don't really have a choice to do it
1: yeah I, I think on the on the small business side that you're typically the small businesses that leverage technology faster from what i've seen in small businesses like i've seen companies that are in like a blue-collar industry, for example, and they're applying like some traditional white-collar um, growth and operations and sales that just are completely outpacing everyone else. But I think it gives everyone in the small business realm uh, that advantage to excel, to have elite operations, because you can have use the power of AI. I mean, I think it can at least help you get there faster.
0: This So I've got three predictions. Uh, mine go from obvious to you're crazy. Uh, the first one being that um, AI, so, and, and I, I know I've been kind of a naysayer that AI is going to be hurting people's jobs and all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the more I've been thinking about it since we've identified that we need to do this uh, predictions thing is that I think developers are going to be hurt by AI. Only American, United States-based developers. Mm. And the reason being is that American US based developers need their $150,000. Well, one exactly. Developers. Right. And before you could always outsource, you could always go to India, you could go to China, you could go to Pakistan, you could go all of these places and get someone for anywhere from $13 to $20 an hour. And they would produce okay work, right? Like it was okay. It wasn't phenomenal. Okay at its best. Okay at, at, at its best. However, now they've got co pilot. Now, all of a sudden, these one X developers become five X developers and they're producing code that is on point with anybody that you would find in America for one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're still doing it for their same thirteen to twenty dollars an hour. But they're leveraging the tools to make it so they can actually produce code that is better than what we would find.
2: Twitter, I've seen to to. So Brandon's prediction regarding. Uh, this AI hurts American developers more than others. So there's a trend on Twitter where snooty, really smart developers uh, just shit on um, Copilot. <laughs> Yo, and sure. have you seen that? Yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, I, I stopped using that. I, I find that I'm faster without it. And I think that comes from a place of insecurity.
3: I have I've seen that, and I was like, "What are they doing that they don't think this gives them value?" And it's probably insecurity for one, but two might be that what they're doing is so specific and so technical that maybe it can't help them as much. But they they're not in the weeds enough on the
2: just the low hanging fruit code that Copilot really helps accelerate. Well, uh, let's be honest, there are some to not there are engineers that uh, call them developers, column engineers in that are in America that are working on some very nuanced stuff. Oh. Right. And I would say more than other, um, uh, areas, if you will, where they're, you're talking about highly specialized individuals that have been writing code at Facebook, writing code at Google for years. These engineers have a different level of experience. And to that extent, I would agree, but that's not the, they're not outsourcing those jobs anyways. Right. Right, so the guy Mm -hmm. that's just hanging, riding that coattail for 150 grand a year and writing basic crud stuff, bye.
3: Specifically, one of the examples I saw, which is to that same point, was um, somebody was like, "Oh, for Laravel, it suggested I do uh, something, but I could have just used middleware and it would have been better." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, but the other solution was okay too. It wasn't the best solution." Um, Now, if you put the pretty good solution in it in the hands of someone who was going to produce like a bad solution before. It just brings them up a little bit more, so like it makes right. them more valuable. It's like, yeah, of course, this is going to enable those people. I I also think we're going to see a shift of um, American developers to more management um, yes. and, and managing right. the near shore, right. because I think there's an absolute gap. Yep. If you're going to have more outsourcing, you need to have people who are proficient and speaking tech and specs and and requirements to those to those new army of developers. Absolutely. So,
1: I mean, is there a situation where? the average developer in America starts
0: to get paid less? Yes. Yeah. And no, where do you guys think they, that lands? I mean... Do they. So if all of a sudden everything that I'm doing, I can only make forty grand a year doing, I'm not interested in it. So, so I probably I, I end up leaving.
2: My second prediction actually is kind of to challenge that slightly. Because I, I agree with it, but my challenge to that would be that in 2024, developers are going to be asked to do more than ever. And I think that you're, you're basically saying, I'm not going to to reduce your pay or increase your pay, but I am gonna expect more from me, from you because what I've seen in the industry and what I've seen um, from people is non-developers are getting smarter and more technical. Yeah. And they're able to evaluate developers work because they've been doing it for years and they're sick of hearing crap. Like we got sent some interesting like findings on a website from one of our clients. They were like, send us the uh, some pretty detailed findings from like a lighthouse report or, or, uh, you know, and you know, sure. They, 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 they might not have understood all the technical details of it, but they knew. You know what? We're going to hold these developers' feet to the absolute fire on this, right? We're going to make them commit to the exact promise that they do, that they gave for us. And, they, and two years ago, they wouldn't even known what Lighthouse was, yeah. right? I, and yeah. and so my point around um, expecting more from developers and expecting f- faster and higher velocity is is basically where I've instructed our company to be because I believe. That I am expecting that out of my own development team is we need to be adopting these tools and moving faster so that we can justify the same rate as you know we've been paid for years. I think that the perception
1: of and I'm sitting around a group of developers, so don't sit here and attack me, but like <laughs> <laughs> the perception of the value from a developer is has fundamentally changed since. The advent of ChatGPT. So before, you had a situation where if I was like, hey, I need a website built, anything past Wix, once I saw code, I'm like, foreign language, I don't understand it, that has to take a lot of brain power, and I'll pay as much money as I need, because I literally couldn't even tell you where to start with a line of code. And that was everybody when it came to everything, and I think that's why there was so much value, and that's why developers like how much we paid developers increased so much because it was like we well, do this is a foreign language, I couldn't even begin to developers think. Of it. Developers
2: made stuff really complicated starting around mid two thousand tens, right? So, React was advented. You had Node. You had all these this this new tech stack that came. in. Yeah, and we and we literally talked ourselves. We we like backed these entire companies into a corner where it became really hard. Now these tools have matured. Um, but also now you have people, I, the, the whole thing about non-developers going into chat GPT and acting like they're going to build entire apps is very enticing. And I think they're going to get pretty far. The question is how far, are they, how far can they get and how many people are going to be like, Hey, I've got this app and that's 75% done. Will you finish it for me? And the guy gets on there and he's like, fuck this. So
0: that is going to parlay into one of my predictions. My next prediction. What do you got? And so this is one of my far out ones and it's only going to be announced in 2024. It won't be implemented fully. It's going to be a new programming language that will be based on a large language model that will do the compilation. There'll, There'll be two parts. There'll be a compilation level and then there'll be a runtime and that it will be a more of a natural language writing style where you can just go in and kind of describe what you want and it's going to be compiled down and it's going to be able to be compiled into different languages and there will be the, the both the compile and the, the run times yeah. that will let you like do a it. A no-code platform and in a traditional just you know programming language oh, th- like think of apple script right apple script did try to be like this natural language like tell finder to click this button you know but now we can do it with large language models and it doesn't have to be syntactically perfect
3: yeah you know yeah and, pseudocode code decoded and exactly. i was saying when you were talking about like i agree no one should non-coders shouldn't go to chat gpt and try to write a whole application there's just too much knowledge gap that would take you forever it wouldn't make any sense get started ideate whatever but that is what came to mind for me was like just better building block solutions or what you said a natural language interpreter that actually can compile down to code yeah and then give it to somebody to take it to the finish line but i think that's
2: a Great prediction. I, know, I yeah. say that, and I think that you. We also underestimate the persistence of human beings, and the and the things that they can create. And I think that there's going to be some, especially the younger generation, that are going to learn this stuff. By using ChatGPT, night I was like, ah, I'm gonna, I want to build
0: something with Rust. I constantly am like, I'm jealous of Rust developers. I follow them on Tik, Twitter. They're so cool. I'm like, you guys, are the crustacean people. Um, it's so performant. So look how fast it is. You know, I use Hyper for my terminal. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna build a Rust application, and I, and I decide I'm gonna use Cursor, the, the new IDE that's based on VS Code, but it's got all of the AI stuff kind of built into it. And so I'm like, hey, I want to write this. And it starts doing it. And I start kind of getting it figured out. And then I get an error, and I'm like, hey, tell me about this error. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, you need to use this. So I go and I use this. And then it's like, oh, no, that problem with your version of React. It doesn't work. You need to use this, which was the original problem. And I just got into this infinite loop, and I was never able to figure it out. So we're still far away from it being to a point. Because, again, I am i think I'm fairly technical. I think I'm fairly smart when it comes to the code. But I could, I could not get the... All I'm trying to do is resize this browser window. Are we accidentally going to
2: generate an entire generation of incompetent programmers?
0: Oh, yes.
2: That have no fundamental knowledge whatsoever?
0: I think there's going to be vision, right? now, I think you're going to see that the, the, the people who are like the PhD mathematicians, like the people that work at Prompt Privacy, these are like a level of nerds. You, yeah. I
2: you expect you guys to start sending
0: <laughs> <laughs> But you can't even comprehend how nerdy these guys are, but they're writing stuff that's just like, I can't, I can't do. Again, I'm a builder. I take stuff from smart people. I take some of my designs, I group them together, and I've got a product, right? These guys are writing the super low-level, like mathematical stuff yeah it just blows my mind those people will their their salaries are going to go up they're going to be the ones that are making the the you know nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year at, at open ai, AI right and then then donkeys like myself who are just gluing together scripts uh are just going to go from our our 150 down to 30 <laughs> it's my
3: guess yeah yeah, no, I, what I was going to say on that was, um, you know, abstractions have existed for a long time, right? Every every new thing, new language is another abstraction on top of the others. And I do think, like, the old guard is always thinking, well, they're all going to be dumb. Right. Well, yes, they're not going to know the fundamentals as good as the one before them. Um, but they'll be able to do more with less right. and, and and get further down that line. Right. So, you know, yes. so it's, it's going to be more commoditized. These things happen. Um, programming becomes, if more people can do it, more commoditized. But what are you doing with it? What value are you now driving to that business that's asking you to do the thing? Or what businesses right. are you creating? Right. Um, so,
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the direct correlation I see to the point with, like, are these new – this next generation developers like, not going to know anything? Uh, probably not. But it reminds me of this situation where I'm driving in the car with my grandfather. And I'm like, I need to go to X address, wherever the heck we're going. And he's like, oh, that's off this street, and he, oh, the crossroads of 16th and Meridian, and it's all based off Washington and, and Michigan. I'm like, oh, what's going on? He's like, you don't know. How do you not know the the way the roads how are set the, up? How and the I'm city like, was structured. Yeah, how the city was structured. It's like, of <laughs> course, I, I have no idea. I type it in my phone. I, I always have my phone. When would I not have my phone? If I didn't have my phone, then. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so it was the situation where he was like – he had a generation that literally knew the entire road structure of Indianapolis, and they thought, well, how the world could someone else Come not on, know North the road Street,
2: structure? There's East Street. There's West Street. I have Street, no idea. States, I, put in, I put way. it in my
1: Google Maps, but it's like we didn't need to know it, but the computer did it for us. But, like, it's not like we can't drive. But we don't know the directions anymore, oh. and so. But the, you didn't the, need to. Is the point? You didn't need to, and so I think the situation will be like they just. It's not that they won't know it. They're not going to need to know it. Well, That's going to be the difference. So until we
0: have a uh, an uh, what what do they call it where the sun blasts a bunch of uh, particles and it basically is just gonna wipe out our entire electrical Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then all, yeah. like, we're all, we're like, you don't need to worry about how to do math, we've got calculators, you know? Yeah. Or you don't need to worry about this because we've got this technology. Then all of a sudden we have the great reset <laughs> that wipes us all back out and we become cavemen again. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that's gonna be kind of a problem.
2: Yeah, that will <laughs> probably be bad if we all go back to being cavemen. I think we're going to be out our $100,000 jobs for sure. Prediction goes out to Steve Jobs, and it's in 2024. Based on my experience, in 2024, skeuomorphic design is going to make a big comeback. It's
0: starting
2: to pop up. Oh, and, uh, we'll and, 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 and here's the reason. Skeuomorphic design takes more time, and it's, it, it requires a, a skill set from a designer's perspective that doesn't always exist. The reason why things got flat is because no one knew how to do skeuomorphic responsive right? They're like, oh, it's mobile. It has to be a green box, right? Uh, um, and it can't have any any shape to it. And skeuomorphic design is you design things that, that appear appear like other things in the real world. Well, AI is trained on images that are from the real world. So when you're, people are going and getting design inspiration from AI tools that are trained on real world images. And so that's why when you when, when I, we go do a lot of this research on Dolly and we're saying, hey, give me an inspiring design or in this it's all skeuomorphic because it's based off of the real world the the pictures, they're not taking pictures as screenshots of websites. They're using, they're thinking, and they're thinking about actual real world physical interactive elements. And so I think combination of the way that AI image models are trained and the way that AI is augmenting design, you know, uh, inadequacies, uh, or design shortcomings, Right uh, or capabilities that designers don't typically have. I think that I think you're going to see a big resurgence, and I think that's going to increase. I think that's going to create opportunities for 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 you in in my business, which is the kind of UI UX design and 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 UI development. I think you're going to see a lot of really cool UIs get built this year. What's skeuomorphic? Let's, it's, let's... It's skeuomorphic is designing things that look like real world things. So like the the first iPhone came out with a it had a books app. Right, and the books app wasn't just a tile of thumbnails. It it looked like a bookshelf. It's
0: UI that's matching the real world. What's kind of so? So we went. I think it was iOS six to seven. Seven became the flat. Right where Johnny Ive's came in. He took over because they Apple kicked out whoever. I can't remember his name, but he was the guy who was kind of pushing a lot of the skeuomorphic stuff. Um, And then they went completely flat. So it's fascinating, though, because because most designers, at least historically, we would copy what Apple did. Apple would come up with a new style. Everybody would steal it and implement it, right? I hadn't really given a whole lot of thought of what happens when an AI who's just giving us generative inspiration is giving us that because of the real-world photos that they have that – because I've constantly been waiting. I'm like, who's going to be, who's going, who are we going to steal from now, right? Because Apple's producing stuff that's pretty much just mid. Like everything that they're producing is, I mean, it's fine. It looks good and great, but it's not like that transformational jump that we used to see, where we all of a sudden go from like a 640 by 480. I'm dating myself to this beautiful design, and they've got drop shadows. They've got this like glossy buttons and stuff. Where it's well, like, Apple, oh, we're stealing
2: that. Apple perfected mobile UI. with 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 what they did with their design system and now you're seeing it and um you're seeing it in their in their modern development platform um swift ui that it is unbelievable what you what you can do with literally just their ui components and they you know steve jobs had the really novel concept of making the ui thread take precedence so they built this this operating system that when you press a button that freaking thing presses right? And then they coupled it with a design system that had so much research put into it. So it's so hard for them to do anything that isn't just, this is the proven best way, but not everything has to be the, the, the proven best way. How do you get somebody to click through a screen? Right. Some of, some of the things that we need to do need to be creative and nuanced. And so like, but when I was, when I was in college, everyone was designing in flash, and, and there were some really cool experiences that people created with Flash because it was kind of the world was your oyster. You could make a, a, a cartoon clickable, right? You could do whatever you wanted. Frog in the blender. Yeah, you, you <laughs> could just. And so, and so th- things, that, things that were hard um, uh, were easy then. And then you, and the, with the advent of mobile phones, everything just kind of got dumbed down. But now I think you're going to see a resurgence because of just the, just the ability for us to, like, like, like I said earlier, people are going to ask more of us. They want to see some cool stuff. They're like, hey, you've got all this time on your hands because ChatGPT is writing all your code. What, coo- <laughs> what can you do that was cooler than what you used to do? I truly think
3: that um, in 2024, Google is going to be the one that comes out the victor. And we. It, I just think that they have too much data. It, it, they have too many smart engineers. It's just too much product, right? Like they're in our emails, our calendars, every everything that I think AI is geared to help us with from a productivity perspective to a consumer, they are touching, right? right? Um, I just think that... that I, I just I have Microsoft stock I just don't have a ton of faith in their b2 c um uh com, you know abilities there and I think Google's going to come out the victor this year
0: would you would you agree though that Microsoft became the victor this year yeah in yeah 2023 yeah. Microsoft yeah. no the the kicked fact everybody's ass. This, was, was
2: 2023 the commitment to open ai yes. yeah. yeah so they that happened within that year i,
3: I
0: mean maybe it was like, like
3: 2022 but the fact people willingly go to bing.com right now is a huge win 100 like it was installed
0: the copilot app on my iphone like yeah. i never installed microsoft things
2: yeah and microsoft now has consistently made really really good investments on the b to b and enterprise side yeah. right i mean buying github was genius mm-hmm. i don't know how much they bought it for but i'm sure it wasn't i'm sure those guys made a ton of money but it's that they bought literally all the code, right? right? And then you're all, talking about the investment. Open source code they bought. I mean, they literally bought it. I'm sure there was some sort of thing that says they own it. Um, and then the, the open AI investment makes a lot of sense. But um, as long as Google can make Google Drive searchable, <gasps> <Please. laughs> then I'm Please. good. I'm good. I'll, I'll totally vouch for your prediction.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just change the UI to be slightly better as well while you're there. what's your next Um a new AI device that's going
0: to come out. So we already know that, that, that Sam Altman has, has hired Johnny Ives, so Apple's former design aficionado, uh, his company Loveform, to generate a new AI device. I think it's going to be a watch mm. is my prediction. No, they, they haven't announced what it's going to be. But so you have Humane AI Pin, which is a little pin that you can wear that, yeah. like, you can, and it, like, displays it on your hand. Yeah, like, the UI, you're like, beep, beep, bee. And you can, like, interact with it <laughs> and take photos. I'm like, well, my fucking watch does that, too. Like, yeah. like, I don't need to have, like, a little pin on my chest. I can just use it on my watch. So, uh, what, what Tan Tang, I think, is his name. He was a former VP of design for. Uh, uh iphone and apple or er, an iWatch. johnny ives just plucked him from apple and he's now at love form so i my my guess is it's going to be a watch interface that will be open ai powered that will let you basically do everything that you can kind of do on a new phone yeah uh, i don't think it will be a phone i'm sorry on a watch but i don't think it will be a phone i think it will be a
3: watch a final prediction is that um that so builder.io, builder.io is a product we use, and they take uh, uh, um, text to code, text, you know, and they do just a pretty good job of it, you know. Um, but they have a whole article on how they have a whole chain of of models that input comes in, and then it takes these ten or twenty steps to get you that output. I think twenty twenty four is going to be the year of the the multimodal, so lots of different ways of getting input into it, images, text, all that. But we're going to have um, this uh, explosion of, of very purpose-driven products that are way more specific, but they're going to get way better because there's so many different actions that are going on um, behind the scenes. So hitting an API and getting some content, doing, you know, so all the things that are required to do more nuanced work, we're going to start to see some of those products um, emerge in 2024.
2: Yeah, Builder.io is an interesting product because, like you said, it, it there's so much to it. Like, it's an example of a product that I would say is, is almost mind-boggling how much there is to it.
0: But, you, but you're in, you're in the builder.io UI, right? You're in that interface, and you're doing whatever. Why because, is it not in VS Code? Why is it not in your development tools that you're already using?
3: We've been using it starting in Figma. Um, oh,
0: and so you, you go can, from Figma go to from, Builder, yeah. Yeah. and then it generates, and then you take that into yeah.
2: It. Yeah, there's, I haven't gone down that path, but there's pieces that, yeah, it's, it's not just sitting. It's, it's definitely got its hooks into different places. Yeah. Um, they call the, the, that, that, I guess that product in general is just one of those things where you open it up and you're like, this looks like it would have taken years to build, yeah. and it didn't. You know, it took less than a year to build, right? And it's by one of those 10X developers on Twitter that literally was an influencer, made, up, made a bunch of videos on how to write awesome React code. And next thing you know, he's an AI engineer building AI products. Yeah. So to Jacob's point, I kind of agree. I think, there's, I think that there's definitely going to be like some super products that come out for niche, for niche reasons. For niche reasons, I think you'll probably see it in music, code. Um, you'll see it in video. There's probably going to be some – you're probably going to see some of these micro products that evolve into major, major software releases that have kind of a transformational impact on whatever industry they're built for. Pika.
0: I think, I think Pika – Pika is going to be like – if I was a betting man, I would lean into to Pika being kind of that next, that next evolution. Right now, they're only generating, you know, what is it, eight-second eight videos or whatever – yeah, but if you go to bigcheese.ai, you'll see that our hero image is a bunch of big-ass cheeses flying through space. D- and I literally just went to Pika, and it was like, just give me 3D you know, cheeses flying through space, and it generated that image. We'll get to a point by the end of the year, I bet, that you'll be able to produce 30-minute you know, videos.
3: Well, did you see Lego's commercial? They, uh, we'll have to share that in the show notes, but they produced a um, a commercial using AI. I forget what tools. Really? They probably a handful was of tools. Was it
0: twisted as like the pizza commercials where people were like? Whoa! I like,
3: thought it was great. Okay, it was All great. Right. Um, you know, and and so we'll share that. But yeah, yeah. you know, you're I, I totally agree. Like those products are gonna get way better. And and uh, the other reason I think that the smaller chain, less l- large language models is gonna be key is because cost. Yeah. Um, for me to use OpenAI for a handful of tasks a day is very cheap, but to but to use that in a product for millions and millions and millions of requests is not only slow, um, but it's super expensive. <laughs> um, it may be a magical bullet that can do a lot of things very well, um, but yeah, it's it's slow and expensive. So,
1: I would say my last prediction for 2024 is that we hit 1,000 subscribers and we've got our first sponsor by the end of the year.
0: Yeah,
1: sponsor?
2: yeah first sponsor. Hey,
0: prompt
1: hey up, it, prompt. We're we're, we're <laughs> Prompt Privacy is a fantastic platform. You guys should we're all go use it. We're sitting at
2: 157 it. subscribers.
1: We today. have 157 subscribers.
0: That's another one that I'm leaning into. It's Vectera by the way. So if you're looking for an interesting search uh, solution, Vectera V E C T A R
2: mm-hmm. A. Websites. That's the industry AI leader for each industry, and we link to their product, like the video, the video industry leader, Pika, the audio, Sony Sono, or whatever. I love that. I, I was
3: just overwhelmed the other day. You should. You should do that. You <laughs> might have a promising career in that one day. <laughs> I was just looking at our weekly, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool!" And I get shiny ponies. You know, I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool." I'm like, "Good God, how many things right. can I look at every day?" But I like that idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, we do have some a really cool offer for our listeners that check out the podcast. Um, the weekly, weekly Big Cheese kind of evolved into this idea of the webinar or the webinar (laughs) of
2: it's called a workshop you fucking (laughs) gen z prick
1: (laughs) we want to work with you on a shop um we are introducing this new thing called big cheese workshops i'll let brandon dive a little bit deeper into it but these things are completely free and can add a ton of value to any organization startup mid-sized large company um brandon why don't you dive a little more into it because this is actually a really cool opportunity
0: uh so so basically the the whole angle here is, is that uh, our mission here is to really democratize AI, to get more companies leveraging it, realizing that it's not something to be afraid of. Um, and that if you have a product, whether you're wanna, you are want to launch a new AI product or you have an AI product that you want to go to market with, that we have three different workshops that we're offering for free. You do have to apply just because, you know, we don't have all the time in the world to be able to do constantly free workshops. Um, but that basically we will help you if, if, if you're an AI product that you need to launch and want to go to market, we'll help you kind of Lay out your high-level go-to-market strategy. If you're a company that wants to incorporate AI into your business, then we can help you kind of think through what does that actually look like. We can do some uh, some real proof of concepts where you can come out of that saying, okay, yeah, we know we can actually do this idea. So an example is one that we're working with right now, which is um, – we won't get into the detail, but they're basically being able to take – uh, recorded conversations and score them against uh, a bunch of rules. So, you know, for example, if you were a lawyer and you wanted to interview one of your customers, you could, you could say, okay, here's the recording. How well did I do? And then give us feedback. So we go through and we actually, we come up with like the actual proofs of concept that we prove out that this can you actually do this with AI or not? And then if you do, then we can actually implement that at a, at, you know, at scale. Um, And so, yeah, if you go to bigcheese.ai slash workshops or just go to bigcheese.ai, you'll see the workshops in there. You can see the three different types that we offer, uh, apply for it, and, uh, yeah, we'll do it.
1: Everybody, this is the Big Cheese AI podcast. I'm Andre Herikas joined by Sean Heiss, Jacob Wise, and Brandon Corbin. See you guys next week, and let's see what happens this year.